Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this morning uh, that we can come together as a church family. Lord, thank you for uh, just a wonderful time of worship this morning. Now, as we come to your word, we pray that we would hear it. Let it sink in. Let it change us, Lord. Uh, Open our ears. Open our hearts and our minds, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that you'd give me the words that you have me to say. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. So one night last year, I was about to make dinner. I was about to grill some chicken. And I went to the fridge to find that we were all of chicken, which makes grilling chicken usually pretty difficult. And so I made a run to the store for one purpose, to get chicken so I could make some dinner. So I walk in the door, and right in the entrance of my King Supers, there was this huge pyramid of angel food cakes. Do they, does your King Supers do this to you? Right? This is really cruel to do to me because I have a horrible sweet tooth. I can't control myself. I mean, there was no way that cake wasn't going home with me that night. There just wasn't. And now that I've got this angel food cake, I'm going to need some strawberries and whipped cream. Because it is angel food cake. So when I'm by the whipped cream, I remember that I need some milk. So I get milk, and the milk is by the juice. So I grab some OJ. Megan gives me a call to get some diapers and baby formula. And by the time I'm checking out, I have four or five things in my cart. And I'm more excited about cake than a 33-year-old man should be. And so I get home. I start cutting up the strawberries for the angel food cake. When Megan walks in the kitchen and says, where's the chicken? (laughs) I forgot the only purpose I went to the store for. Who's ever done something like this? Right? So, so, so easy to forget our purpose at times. Who's ever done this? You're hanging out in your house, right? Going about your business. Oh, I got to get something for the kitchen. So you go to the kitchen for a purpose, and by the time you get there, you totally forget why you came. Who's done that? Right? All right. It is so easy to forget our purpose at times. It's just so easy to forget our purpose. Today we're looking at John chapter 17, those verses that we we just read. And at first it looks like the whole passage is about something we're pretty, pretty used to, maybe that you've heard about, Christian unity. But then as we examine it, we're gonna find that actually the focus of the passage, the focus of Jesus' prayer is the purpose behind that unity and that we can never forget that purpose. So, we just read it a second ago. Hopefully you still have your Bible open. Uh, We'll we'll have it up on the screen. But let's look at this passage for today. Jesus has been teaching his disciples for several chapters now. It's the night before he's crucified. He's been teaching and teaching. And then last week when we got to the beginning of chapter 17, Spencer showed us that he went from teaching to praying, if you remember that. And he began his prayer by praying for himself. And then he prayed for his disciples, just that group of guys that were right there in the room with him. And now this week, his prayer changes. He begins to pray for someone different. So let's figure out who that is in verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Who's Jesus praying for? He's praying for everyone who will ever believe in him. Jesus is praying for us, guys. Imagine this. Imagine if tomorrow some historical discovery was made and a letter was found that had never been read before by George Washington or Shakespeare or your favorite historical figure. And then at the end of the letter, it had your name on it. It had been written to you. 
You'd be shocked. You'd want to know what that letter said, wouldn't you? That's what's going on here. Jesus is praying with you in mind. He's praying with me in mind. He's praying with our church in mind. He's praying for us. Verse 21. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us. So what's Jesus praying for? Unity, right? He wants us to be unified. He wants us to be one, both with other Christians and with God. And he uses this phrase, just as you are in me and I am in you. He's praying to the Father. So he's saying, just as the Son is in the Father and the Father is in the Son. Because that tells us that the unity in the relationships in the Trinity between the Father, Son, and Spirit It sets the foundation of unity for how we should treat one another. That type of perfect, perfect unity. That's the foundation of Christian unity. Our unity is to reflect the very nature of God. Second half of 21. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. Don't forget the purpose, right? So that. It's a purpose statement. Don't forget the purpose. The purpose of unity is that the world may believe in Jesus. We're to reflect the unity of God to such a degree that others would see our church, others would see Christian unity, and they'd say, oh, that's what God is like. They'd see our unity and say, oh, their message must be real. Verse 22, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. So by making Jesus' sacrifice, the redemption of all the world, the Father made Jesus the hinge of all history. That's some glory. And then our taking out, our our spreading this message of Jesus' glory should unite us under one purpose. Verse 23, I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Jesus' desire for all Christians is that we would be brought to perfect unity. But what's the purpose of that unity? What's the purpose? This is the purpose of unity. End of verse 23. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Don't forget the purpose. Don't forget the purpose. Don't leave the chicken at the grocery store. Don't forget the purpose. Unity serves a purpose. It serves the purpose of God's mission. Unity is not the end. We seek unity so that, so that, look at that verse, so that the world will know Jesus was sent by the Father and that God loves them. That's the purpose behind our unity. Verses 24 to 26. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. And to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. In these verses, Jesus is confirming. He's praying with the Father, right? This is a conversation between the Father and Son. He's confirming, Father, yes, I have accomplished and I am accomplishing what you sent me for. I've made you known. I'm making you known. I've made your love for people known. And Jesus' desire for people is that we would come to see him for who he really is, the Savior. And look, in verses 24 and 25, that we'd see Jesus as eternal, that we'd see Jesus as divine, Worthy of glory. So that's our passage for this morning. Verses 
20 to 26. And, and you probably already picked up. This is a clear passage. Jesus is focusing on just two ideas, mission and unity. He just keeps repeating these two things over and over again, mission and unity, mission and unity. And so we, we see Jesus' hope for unity, that side. We saw it in a number of verses. He hopes that we as Christians and as a church have unity. He said in verse 21 that all of them may be one. Verse 22, that they may be one as we are one. Verse 23, so that they may be brought to complete unity. All statements of Jesus' hope for our unity. But this unity is not the end goal. It's for the greater purpose of a mission Jesus gave those first disciples and gave us. And Jesus repeats this mission at least three places in this passage. The purpose of unity is, verse 21, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The purpose of unity is, verse 23, then the world will know you sent me and have loved them. The purpose of unity is, verse 26, to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them. In set, just, just a few verses here. This is a short passage. Jesus just keeps repeating himself. The purpose of unity is mission. The purpose of unity is mission. And the reason Jesus hones in on on these two ideas, is that they're interdependent. You, you cannot have one without the other. The church can't have unity without ensuring the mission of making Jesus known is at the center of all we do and all we are. And we can't be successful in that mission if we're not unified. The purpose of unity is mission. You can't have one without the other. You can't have unity without mission, and you can't have Mission without unity. You can't have one without the other. It'd be like seeing a Broncos fan without orange. <laughs> or maybe seeing a Raiders fan without a look of disappointment. <laughs> you can't have one without the other. You can't have unity without mission. And you can't have mission without unity. The purpose of unity is mission. As we look at this, that the purpose of unity is mission, it's really, there's a warning here. There's a warning that's the same warning that I got for my chicken debacle. Don't forget the purpose. Unity does not exist for the purpose of unity. I didn't go to the grocery store just for hanging out at the grocery store's sake. I don't know if anybody does. Unity's not the end. It's a tool for the purpose, a greater purpose of mission. This is why Christian unity for the purpose of unity in itself has never quite been achieved because it takes the means and it makes it the end. I have a friend who bought a really expensive Italian sports car last year. Old, old friend from high school. And what are you supposed to do with a sports car? You're supposed to get that thing out, drive it, have fun with it, take it on sharp turns. But all throughout last year, he started posting these pictures of this, this sports car on, on Facebook. And almost every single one of them was with the car in his garage. <laughs> he wasn't driving it. He confused the purpose of the car. He's decided that the purpose is to be stuck in his garage where he can go look at it and admire it. When we make Christian unity the end goal, we do the same thing. We take the church that's supposed to be driven out there in the world, making Jesus' name known. 
and we grudge it so that those who already know it can admire it. Don't forget the purpose. Unity is not the end goal. The purpose of unity is mission. So, two sides, unity and mission. So let's take a look at both of these sides because you can never have one without the other. And the first side of this equation is mission. So what's our mission? That's the question here on this side. We're talking about mission. What is our mission? What's the mission of any Christian, any church, all of Christianity? Well, Jesus made this really clear when after his resurrection, he gave his first disciples the great commission. He said this in Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. It's the same mission that he gave his disciples again in Acts 1-8 when he was about to leave them. He said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And it's repeated over and over again in our passage today, like in verse 21, the purpose of our unity is so the world may believe that you have sent me. Our mission is to play a role in others believing in Jesus. That's our mission, to make disciples of Jesus to be witnesses for Jesus. And it's why the first value of our church is Jesus. We're confident that we'll captivate South Denver and beyond with the good news of life in Jesus. That's why we exist. We're a people sent on mission. It was the priority of the whole previous section of this prayer that we saw last week in John 17, 18, where Jesus prayed for his disciples saying, I have sent them into the world. We've been sent on a mission to play a role in others believing in Jesus and making that, that mission central to all we do and all we are is the only way we'll ever find unity as a church. We're each far too imperfect to achieve perfect relationships, aren't we? Perfect unity in all of our relationships, particularly in a church of hundreds, the only way we can achieve unity is just losing ourselves in this, this mission that Jesus has given us. We have to keep that mission of making Jesus known at the center of all we do. When I was a kid, there was a pizza place, my favorite pizza place right by our house. It was just a little ma and pa place. It was awesome. They only had one central mission, to make the best pizza possible. And they did it. It was started by this, this son of an Italian immigrant, and, and the pizza was amazing. And then about a decade ago, the son took over the family business. And he began to put some other things on the business. They started making calzones and sandwiches instead of just pizzas. And he started putting other locations in and buying cheaper ingredients. He he expanded this business and added a lot of things on. And I went back and ate a couple slices, and it just wasn't the same. It just wasn't the same. It wasn't any good for one reason. They took their mission of making the best pizza possible out of the center of what they did, and they started putting all sorts of other things in its place, and all the taste buds of Kansas are now paying the consequences. <laughs> and it's so easy to do the same thing as a church, isn't it? to take the mission of making Jesus known out of the center of all we do and 
are. Because there are a million good things that we could be doing as a church. But there is only one correct purpose. There's only one correct mission that we can exist for. The purpose of unity is mission. And what's our mission? To play a role in others believing in Jesus. So that's the first side of this equation, right? We're looking at mission and unity, and and that's the mission side. And the second side of the equation is our unity. Unity is another value that we have here at South Suburban, and we say this, that as a unified body, we'll put aside our own interests, resolve conflicts peacefully, and together champion the objectives of the church. We're seeking to live out as a church What Jesus said and hoped for for us in John 17, 23, that we may be brought to complete unity. Now, it's pretty obvious when we're acting against unity, but there's some things that we can all actively do to promote unity in our church. There's just a couple things you can do in the next few months. The first is join a small group. Unity in a church is not based on formality of membership. Our unity, how unified we are, is based on our relationships, whether we really know and love one another. And there's no better opportunity to do that than in a small group. And so we're going to have small group sign-ups for the fall just here in a couple weeks. And I'd really encourage you, sign up, get to know people, help create some unity in relationships in our church. And then the second thing is uh, outreach events. This this past Tuesday, we're going to watch a video here at the, the end of the service. It was a lot of fun. We had a block party. You might have heard about this. It was just an amazing time. Hundreds and hundreds of people who had never known about South Suburban were here enjoying uh, this, this love and care of our church. And serving at these events, it helps create unity because it puts our mission at the center of what we're doing. It makes us all participate. It has us all participate in that mission of making Jesus known. And the next outreach event like that is going to be our trunk or treat event that we'll have in October. And as we do these things, we have to remember what's at stake. There's something at stake here because our mission depends on our unity. Our unity is not a game. It has real consequences. Jesus told us in verse 21 that the world will believe if we are one. That's that's what's at stake. Our mission depends on our unity. So when we don't share the same essential beliefs like Jesus is the only way and the Bible is the very word of God, we're not just hurting our unity. We're actually undermining our mission. In the same way, if we gossip, have a critical spirit, refuse reconciliation, we're not just hurting our unity. We're undermining our mission. It's like a baseball player intentionally making errors. Every baseball team has one mission, right? Win baseball games. Even the Rockies, it might not always appear like it, but even the Rockies have one mission to win baseball games. And when we break our unity in the church, it's like the shortstop just purposely, just intentionally throwing the ball over the first baseman's head. Sure, the first baseman's going to be mad. It's going to hurt team unity, but they're also going to fail in their mission, aren't they? They're not going to win the game with the shortstop throwing the ball over the first baseman's head on purpose. Sure, when we have unresolved conflict in our church, it hurts our unity. But more importantly, it undermines our mission because our mission depends on our unity. 
And the more we divide, the less the world will see Jesus. So this is that, that second side of the equation. Our mission depends on our unity. And this is true more than ever because in, in a country of shifting spirituality, more and more people want to belong before they believe. Those who don't know Jesus, they, they want to they come see. They want to experience this church thing a bit before signing on. They want to test the water, see if this Christian thing is real. And if that's you, thank you so much for being here. Seriously, this is, this is why we're here. This is why we're here. And so if you just need uh, space and questions answered, this is why we're here. Let us know. We're here for you. But for those of us who have been here for a little while, think about this. People want to belong before they believe. So we must be a community that's so unified that it compels those who don't know Jesus to simply belong. In a divisive world, unity is an anomaly. And if we can show that sort of unity, people will know that something supernatural is going on here at South Suburban, and they'll want to belong. So I want to leave you with an image and a question, all right? What if, what if orphans got to choose their own families? What if every lost child got to walk down the streets of America peer into our dining room windows, observe our families, and choose the one they wanted to belong to. What kind of families would they, would they choose? You see, this is the situation that I think the church finds herself in today. In a country of 300 million, only about 20% are regularly involved in a church. The fastest growing religious group are those that have no faith at all. So there are millions of spiritually lost people walking the streets of our nation. When they peer into our churches, what do they see? If people want to belong before they believe, isn't the question, would they want to belong here? Do we have that sort of unity? What type of family would a lost child choose? One orphan peers over that window into a dining room where a family's fighting. Mom's yelling, dad is stomping off, the kids are uninterested, the family's fractured, disunified. The lost child isn't going to choose this home. But what if she goes down the street and house after house is a family fighting? Will she keep looking for a home at all? Or will the lost assume that the fractured church simply have nothing to offer them? But Jesus' hope is this, that when the lost peer into our window, when they look at our church, they'll see a family that's unified, that loves one another, that's on one mission together. The world is watching. The world's watching our church the world is watching Christians, whether we are fractured or unified. When the world peers into our church, what do they see? Does our unity compel people to belong and believe? And what are each one of us doing to help or hurt that unity? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for 
This morning, thank you for this time in, in worship. Thank you for this time in your word. May it sink deep. May it change our hearts and minds. May you put us on mission. May you make us unified. Lord, the only thing that we can rally around is making your name, your glory, your salvation known. And so we pray that you would do that in and through us, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.